Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 309. Imagine hopping on a plane to your next destination, your laptop as the only office you'll ever need, and building a life and business that not only supports travel, but requires it. The life of a travel influencer and a digital nomad sounds pretty glamorous, and in part, I kind of bet it is. But if there's one thing I've learned about speaking to all of our guests on this show, there's always more behind the scenes to the gorgeous Instagram feed. Jessica Nabongo is the first documented Black woman to travel to every country, all 195 of them. I'm totally enamored by Jessica's story. I love following her online. The way she documents each country on Instagram and her dedication to important causes along the way has opened up a whole new vision of travel for me. And once you hear her story, I think you'll be itching to travel in a new way too. How does life work as a digital nomad? What are the keys to safe and productive solo travel? And really, how does she fight jet lag? I'm asking her all of these questions and more. This is a story I've been so excited to hear myself, so I'm honored to welcome and share with you Jessica Nabanco. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover Jenna Kutcher. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Gold Digger. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free at Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Thanks to Shoe Dazzle for supporting Gold Digger. No matter what styles you're looking for, Shoe Dazzle is a place to get your shoe fix. You can get your first pair of shoes for 75% off as low as $10 by going to shoedazzle.com slash gold digger. Okay, Jessica, I have been following you for months and I swear I bookmark almost every single post of yours <laughs> because one, they're just beautiful, but two, you just have such an amazing story. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. 
Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so you are the first documented Black woman to travel to every country in the world. So where did your journey begin? Like, how did this dream come to be? Yeah, so that journey began in Detroit, where I am right now. I was born and raised in Detroit. My parents are Ugandan immigrants. And when I was four, we took our first international trip, which to be fair, was just to Canada, which is just across the river, but <laughs> it's it. a foreign country nonetheless. But honestly, my parents, they really love travel. So sometimes they left me and my sisters at home and sometimes they took us with them. And so obviously we went to Uganda when I was younger and we had family in London. So we would usually stop through London on the way to Uganda. We went to Mexico, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, Bahamas. So by the time I finished high school, I'd been a few places. Then I went to school in New York. I went to St. John's University, finished up there a semester early, then moved back to Michigan. And I worked for a pharmaceutical company. So I was 21. I was making a lot of money and spending a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) for my 22nd birthday. I bought myself a two bedroom, two bath condo on the waterfront in Detroit. So I could see Canada from my window And, you know, really by all accounts, I had the perfect life. I graduated magna cum laude from undergrad. I got a high paying job straight out of undergrad. I had a home, you know, all of those things. The American dream tells you you should be doing. I had a closet full of a custom made closet full of designer clothes. And honestly, I wasn't happy. I was doing really well at my job. I had been promoted two times, not promoted, but like I had reached the next level or however it went two times in two years. And I was actually approaching the third like bump right before I quit. I just wasn't happy. And at the wise old age of, I think I was 22, (laughs) I decided I needed to do something else. And so I remember there was a day I was going to a doctor's office. It was bonus day. And the way pharmaceuticals used to work now, okay, this is like 11 years ago, but (laughs) you had sales goals and those sales goals were based on the previous year. And I had a tough portfolio because my drug was going off patent. So my sales were down. And a friend of mine who did not work as hard as I did, he had like a five figure bonus for the quarter. And I had a three digit bonus for the quarter. And I just remember something in me broke because I, I feel like that was the moment when I realized life is not a meritocracy. And I was like, all right, I'm done. So I went, I did my lunch with a doctor. I went home, got on Google and I Googled teaching jobs in Japan. So I had a friend who was living in Japan and I'd always been curious about Japanese culture, not necessarily like manga and anime, but more like street fashion. And so long story short, I um, found a company. I applied. I got the job. I worked for a few more months and put in my resignation. My boss begged me not to because they had just laid off 20,000 people and I didn't get laid off which I was bummed about because I really wanted the severance package (laughs) (laughs) because I knew I was leaving. I was like, damn, I didn't get the severance. I'm too good. I'm too good. (laughs) And so, yeah, like literally I packed up my condo, put it in storage. I shaved my head, which I still wear my hair short to this day. And I moved to Japan and it was crazy because I'd never been to Asia. And I started Rosetta Stone before I went, but imagine like, First of all, getting on a plane, 
I get on this plane, no one looks like me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be my life for the next year. (laughs) Because in the US, I feel like we take diversity for granted because we're so used to being surrounded by people who don't look like us. But getting on that plane and landing in Japan and looking out of the window at the Osaka airport, and I'm like, I can't read anything. (laughs) You know, it's different when you're in like France or Spain and you, even if you don't speak French or Spanish, at least you can recognize words, right? It was crazy. But in the end, it was one of the best years of my life. It stretched me in ways I could never imagine. And then after that, I'd saved a ton of money. I didn't want to work, which is like a theme of my life. I don't like working. (laughs) So they wanted me to extend my contract. I decided not to. And I decided to travel for eight months because I had the money to basically not work. And so, and I I knew that in October, I was going to be moving to London to start my master's program at the London School of Economics. So during that time, between February and October, I did a road trip in the Western US with an Australian guy that I met in a McDonald's in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Costa Rica for my first solo trip. I had a friend who was doing Peace Corps in Fiji. I went to see her. I went to Australia. I went to Honduras. Like I was really all over the place. And that's actually when the Catch Me If You Can, my blog was born in 2009. Yeah. And so after that, I went to London. It was an amazing experience. Obviously, being at one of the world's top universities, you learn so much. You meet so many amazing people. I couldn't find a job after that. So I moved with my Italian boyfriend at the time to Benin in West Africa because he got an internship and I had nothing better to do. So (laughs) I ended up getting a project management job while we were there at the same organization. Then he got another internship in rural Kenya. And I was like, I can't do that anymore. I'm going back to Europe. So I moved to Italy, actually, to work for the UN when he moved to Kenya. And uh, we broke up shortly thereafter. And then I found myself living in Europe. So I was at the UN for about a year and a half before I quit. (laughs) (laughs) And then decided January 2013 that I was going to just travel again. And I was able to actually work out because they didn't want me to quit. I was able to work out with them that I would still work, but they would let me work remotely, which was amazing because I was able to travel from January until August working remotely. So I still had my same salary, but I didn't have to pay for housing, which was amazing. So I did that, traveled South America, spent some time in Africa. And then, okay, we're in 2013. I went back to Rome. I got another like full-time job working back at the UN. It was with a different team. So I was excited about it. Worked for about eight months and then I quit again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sensing a trend, Jessica. (laughs) So I quit again and I moved to DC because I was sort of having FOMO. I hadn't lived in the U.S. in seven years. And then after a year, I quit that job. And I haven't worked for anyone ever since. And honestly, what it is for me and the reason that I keep quitting is I'm a super hard worker. And no matter what job I have, I'm going to always do my best, which is why I'm able to quit jobs and go back, which I think is really, really important. Like if you don't want to stay at a job, I don't think you should. But I think you have to do your absolute best while you're in that job. And never ever burn a bridge. I've never burnt a work bridge. Well, my DC one, but there was some discrimination issues there. But yeah, I think for me, that's what it is. And I've realized over time, the most important thing for me is my freedom. So Mm. that's what I'm always chasing my freedom of time, like location independence, 
I love that I can wake up every single day and do exactly what I want to do. And that's what I've worked for the last 10 years. That's been the focus. Like I've set my life up so that I can have that opportunity. I am with you 110%. Time is our currency. Mm -hmm, That is it. mm -hmm. Okay. So walk me through what your business looks like today. And did you ever think you'd have like your own brand or business? Absolutely not. I, (laughs) you know, it's so funny because I used to say like my parents, my father was a chemist, my mother, a registered nurse. And, you know, I was on track to either go to law school or, you know, do like a profession. And I always thought that's what I would do. I always used to say, I don't, have a hustle bone in my body. So I could never be an (laughs) entrepreneur. But what happened was in 2015, I had a friend who's very famous. He was getting married. And I said to him, you should travel to somewhere in Africa because you know, you're very famous. And like, you can do a lot in terms of changing the narrative about the African Mm -hmm. continent. And he said, planet. I was like, huh? Okay. (laughs) So I planned his honeymoon. And while I was doing it, I was like, I can do this. And that's how Jet Black launched. So literally on the backs of that, I said, well, let me do this. Let me buy this domain, you know, get the branding done and launch it. And we did really well. So the focus was tourism to Africa, Central and South America and the Caribbean. And so we hosted group trips. All of our group trips are only 10 people and a host and a photographer. Usually I'm the host. There were only two trips where I wasn't. And the focus is like great accommodations, you know, very comfortable, but giving people a really localized experience that they would not otherwise have. So we team up with like local vendors and hang out with local people and really dig into the culture in a way that I think a lot of group trips don't. And I think a lot of that boils mm-hmm. down to us capping it at 10 people. So we can go mm-hmm. to little tiny restaurants and not have to always move in like huge coach buses. We can move, you know, much easier. So yeah, so that's Jet Black. And with the journey traveling to every country in the world, we stepped back from it and it definitely shrunk, but we're actually relaunching it in November and it's going to be more on the luxury end now. And we're going to be doing four retreats next year. So that's Jet Black. And then after all of my travels to every country in the world, I decided to launch an e-commerce site called The Catch. I love markets. (laughs) If you come into my home or if you just see me walking down the street, I'm like a walking passport because I'm always wearing (laughs) things from all over the world. And people always comment on a lot of the things. And I'm like, oh, well, I got this in a market in Kenya. Sorry, it can't help you. (laughs) And so I really want to bring that to the world. And I also, beyond bringing it to people, I want to tell the story of the artisans. So when we launch products, I'm going to be traveling to the countries, but I'm launching with video so that you're getting the face and the name of the person who actually made the thing that you're going to be wearing. That is so beautiful. I am so excited that it's boot season in Minnesota. I was just browsing the boot section at shoedazzle.com slash gold digger, and I need some help deciding between the Finley quilted flat boot with a super cozy knitted cuffer on the top or the Sinclair hiker booty that would be perfect for family walks around the lake. Head to shoedazzle.com slash gold digger and take a peek at those styles and all the new arrivals for this season. Shoedazzle also releases brand new styles, collections, and prints every single month. 
There's trendy over-the-knee boots to pair with your favorite sweater dress, rain boots for jumping in puddles when you're walking the dogs, and even warmer weather styles like slide sandals that I'm definitely going to shop for our upcoming trip to Hawaii. You can shop as a guest and prices are already great, but when you join with the flexible VIP membership, you save 30% off most retail prices all day, every day, plus get free shipping and returns. Not to mention tons of other exclusive sales and perks. Now is the time to sign up as a VIP because you'll get your first pair of shoes for 75% off. That's as low as $10. You can't beat that. This is an exclusive deal for podcast listeners, so make sure you go to shoedazzle.com slash golddigger to get it. That's shoedazzle.com slash golddigger to step up your look today for as low as $10. Shoedazzle.com slash golddigger. We are creeping up on a new year. When you close your eyes and picture what you want your life to look like next year, what do you see? Growing your business, spending more time on your hobbies or learning new ones? Skillshare is a great resource to do all of those things because Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So if your perfect year looks like getting better at the skills that slow you down, like organization or bookkeeping or copywriting, take a Skillshare class. Or if you've always been interested in graphic design and doodling, take a Skillshare class and watch how applying those new skills will get you excited about something like your Instagram feed again. Whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. Education is so important to me. I've kind of built my entire business on it, even if it's just learning for fun, like the lettering and florals class I want to take. I love investing my time into learning new things. So join me in class. Skillshare is offering Gold Digger listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of free classes for free. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger and the number two to start your two free months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Okay, we glazed over the fact that you have been to 195 <laughs> countries. Okay, where did this come from? And like, when did you realize like, whoa, I've already checked a lot off. Like, let's just do the whole damn thing. Right, right, right. So, so I'm a geography nerd. Like I grew up in a home with two sets of encyclopedias and atlases. And I like, even in my house now, I still have my childhood globe, which has USSR on it. So I always wanted to travel to every country in the world. And in February, 2017, I was in Bali. Indonesia was my 60th UN country. And I was sitting with a friend and I was like sort of reviewing my life. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. Like, I'm not really satisfied. I don't feel like I've done anything of note. I'm like, other people have gone to LSE. Other people have worked for the UN. Like, these things aren't that interesting to me. And so that's sort of when I came about the idea, because I had just read about Cassie de Pecole, the American woman who had just won the Guinness record for doing it the fastest. And I didn't know there was like a country counting community. I had been counting countries. Like I've always had this app on my phone where like I check off my countries and I always knew how many places I'd been to. But that's when I got into an internet rabbit hole, <laughs> as we do. And I found out more about the community and I learned a lot more. And at that time, only 150 people in the world had done it. 
And they were mostly Northern European men. I think at that time, only around like 12 women had done it. And no black woman had done it that we'd seen. There's one black man who's done it. He's half Polish and half Kenyan. This man is crazy. He's one country away from doing it twice. Whoa. What? (laughs) Yes, his name is Slawek Maturi. He has no social media. (laughs) So we are in touch via email. But I'm just like, you are. Yeah, it's insane. I don't think I'll ever do that. But that's how it started. And so after I found out there was no woman, black woman who'd done it, I said, well, don't mind if I do, let me go ahead and do that. And so I just started. So again, I was already at 60. So obviously I knew a lot about the world. I've studied international development. I worked for the UN. So I knew a lot about the world culturally, economically. And I knew like, I think at that point I knew all of the countries in the world. So for me, there wasn't that hurdle of feeling the fear of going into the unknown because I sort of felt like I had a pretty good grasp on the world, if you will. And so then I just did it, you know, <laughs> and the one it sounds so casual, you know, I just went to the other 130, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know what the lesson there is, honestly, and this is one that I keep telling people, I didn't make a plan. Okay. I just started. And so of course there were some roadblocks, but I didn't know how much it would cost. Yeah. I didn't have a budget. I was just like, look, I want to do this thing. So I'm going to go and do it. And I think so many times when people People want to start something, they, you know, they get caught in the planning stage. Yeah. I just read something on Instagram, you know, the Instagram philosophers, <laughs> something that said, stop masking procrastination as planning. Yes. Yeah. Right. And we get so stuck in that so-called planning phase when it's like, if you want to do it, just do it. If you want to start a business, buy the domain, get the logo, get all of the um, social handles and just do it. And that's what I did. So I say it casually because it was casual. (laughs) (laughs) I love you for that. What was like, what was your biggest learning moment in doing that? Like, did you spend a night like are there rules to this or no? Uh, oh, oh, in terms of the time. So like, how do you do like how you are young? How did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) So everyone, you know, I kind of am like, because there is a lot of tension in the country counting community about what counts. I'm like, hey, to each their own. For me, I try to spend the night or have like a significant experience, which usually will mean like at the minimum a meal and like, you know, chats with local people. So in the end, there's 11 countries that I did not spend the night in, but I spent like more than a few hours in, you know what I mean? Some people don't leave airports, but those are the people who are going for the Guinness records for fastest. Nah. So that's, which look, it's a completely different thing. It's something I could never do because of the physical exhaustion, but I think that's their journey and, and do it. But for me, I'm curious about people and culture. So I had to experience every culture because that's the reason that I travel. So yeah. So for me, 11 countries of 195 where I didn't spend the night, but I definitely left the airport because usually those are ones that I drove to like Andorra, Liechtenstein, Vatican, places like that. You are incredible. One thing that I love about you is your feed is just so vibrant and beautiful. And just like you said, like you're a walking passport, like it's so (laughs) visible in your imagery. But what is something that no one would know? Like what's behind the scenes of those beautiful Instagram photos? I'm imagining a lot of airports and sleeping on planes. 
Definitely <laughs> a lot of airports and sleeping on planes. You know what? Like, I won't say it's effortless because everything that I do takes effort. But I think people think that I put a lot more time and thought into what I'm wearing, into locations, into like doing photo shoots. I don't. And it's funny because I usually travel alone, but when I travel with people, they're shocked at how quickly I get the shot. Cause they're like, you know, I'll have somebody take the picture. They'll take like five frames and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go. And they're like, they're like, wait, you're done. I just was in Montana with this company called solar. It's an influencer platform. And I was watching all these influencers taking like 30, 40 shots. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I get in front and the photographer starts shooting and I'm like, yeah, just, you know, like five, six frames. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, wait, you're done. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. We Uh, we got the picture. What, What else do I need to do? So I think the biggest thing is that I think it looks like I put in a lot more thought than I actually do. I kind of love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the digital nomad lifestyle. So you kept some of your jobs while you were traveling, and then you also launched businesses and brands. So walk me through what that looks like. Are you routine? Do you have a schedule? How are you navigating the time zone differences? Yeah. So, um, the most difficult thing is definitely time zone differences, but I'm an early riser no matter where I am. So I'm usually up by six. And so what I would try to do is I would try to work between like six 30 and like eight 30 on the front end, then like go to breakfast, work out, whatever, and explore the country. Right. Cause the thing is, I'm still wanting to explore these countries and I'm there for very short periods of time. And then on the back end, I would work from like 8.30 to 10.30 because I go to sleep very early. And that would sort of help me. I have some people who work with me, so that obviously helps in terms of keeping things moving. But yeah, it's definitely the discipline of working early in the morning and working late at night. And then like editing stuff during the day in terms of like pictures for posting on Instagram. But, you know, I always have my laptop with me T-Mobile is my cheat code. T-Mobile is incredible. <laughs> they need to cut me a check. Well, for I was just going to say, I hope they're paying you. <laughs> um, they are not. But like T-Mobile has saved me because they work in over like they say over 200 countries and territories. So a lot of times if I'm like on a train or in a taxi, I'm using my T-Mobile as a hotspot. So while in transit, I'm able to like hop in and get some emails done because I don't like doing emails on my phone. So that's been incredible. I use Apple mail program. So like, I don't always need to be connected to the web to respond to emails. So I can like work on emails on the flight. And then when I land, they all go out of the outbox. Those are probably two of my biggest like digital nomad hacks. That's amazing. What were like, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of sacrifices involved in being gone a lot. We travel a ton. There's just a lot that people don't see. So what have been the hardest sacrifices for you? Yeah, like personal relationships. Yeah. I don't see my mom that much. Because mm-hmm. um, I still, I, my mom lives in Detroit, but we live a bit far because I live downtown and she lives on the Northwest side. And a lot of times if I come home after six weeks of traveling, I don't want to speak to anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't see my mom, my sisters a lot. Both of my sisters have two kids. So I've missed like a lot of their birthdays. You know, I've missed a lot of funerals and weddings and so many things. And that's been really, really hard. And, you know, I can't show that on Instagram, right? Like I've, sometimes I post like screenshots from FaceTime, but that's been really difficult. Even my friendships, like I, I've been telling my friends now that 
my focus for the next year is about deepening my friendships. And because I feel like I've had to be selfish during this journey, it takes a lot out of you. And, and, you know, there's been times where I'm FaceTiming my friends to complain or cry or, you know, get cheered up. And I'm always asking them about them as well. But I know that for me, I was hyper-focused on me a lot. And so I've been very apologetic to them. And a lot of them, they're all like, no, you still somehow have managed to keep up with us when you're never around. But yeah, like the distance in my personal relationships has been really hard. But we all went to the Seychelles together. So I think that was a great <laughs> little, you know. <laughs> little girl's trip. <laughs> right, exactly. Because 55 people were there to celebrate me when I landed in, you know, when I did the last country. So, oh, that is so cool. Was that like surreal? Yeah, it's still surreal. Like I'm looking at pictures and I'm like, that didn't happen. That was a dream. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So one thing I'm thinking as I'm listening to you share this is that there is somebody listening right now that's working like a nine to five or an office job. And they're like, how could I get my employer to let me work remotely. Do you have any tips on that since you were able to pull that off? Yeah, I think the number one thing is showing your value. Like you have to be so great at your job that they cannot stand to lose you because then you have the power, right? So I was great at my job. So when I say I'm quitting, they're like, no, no, no. What can we do to keep you? Because I'm really good at all of the jobs that I don't. That's what you need to focus on doing before you think about anything else. And then I would say, secondly, start small. You know, tell them, oh, hey, I need to work from home today, right? Work your butt off when you're working from home. And, you know, do that every couple of weeks. They don't know what you're setting up for. But what they're doing is they're seeing, okay, even when she or he is working from home, they're doing a great job. So then when you're like, hey, I need to work from home for two days. And then they see you're doing your job. Then, you know, you get them comfortable with it over time. And so then when finally you're like, hey, I want to work remotely for one month. Are you cool with that? I think that's how you sort of train them to get used to you not being in the office, but also showing them that you're still adding value and you're still getting the job done. Mm, That's such good advice. It's so good. So my next question would be this, and people are probably wondering, but are there ways to earn money while traveling without necessarily being like a travel influencer? Okay. Number one misconception about my life. (laughs) I do not get paid to travel. Like I haven't figured that out. If any other travel influencers (laughs) want to share that cheat code with me. So out of 195 countries, I only had one free, completely free trip, including flights one time. And that was to South Africa. The South African tourism board flew me out. So I think that people should stop chasing this idea of get paid to travel. What it is, is monetizing your skills. So maybe you're good at social media, find small businesses where you can charge them a monthly rate to manage their social media. If you're good at copywriting, find bloggers who want you to write blog posts for them because what travel bloggers do need is somebody doing that so they can just focus on travel. If you're good at video editing, you can do that from anywhere in the world. So I would focus on monetizing skills that you already have or you know, using YouTube University to develop new skills. But I honestly, and maybe I'm wrong, I think the getting paid to travel is a myth because unless you have like a really big following or an amazing agent, a lot of times you can get free hotel rooms all day long. Yep. 
I can't eat free hotels. So (laughs) while it was great for me on this journey, that's not something that's really of interest to me going forward because I need income. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. And I think too, a lot of people just make assumptions and it's like, oh no, like, like there was a lot of work that went into planning and doing everything. Do you work with a travel agent or do you plan everything on your own? So I plan pretty much everything. So there's an amazing, (laughs) I know I'm a crazy person. There's an amazing woman by the name of Anna. So she, we met in my comment section and she came on board to help me with my blog. Yeah. And then she ended up helping me with like my logistics. So we would get on the phone and do like two hour calls to like plan out six weeks. And so it's like, okay, do this country first, that one. And so she would research routes and flights and all of that. And so we worked together to get me to all 195. Wow. I was going to say, we just got back from a three country, like, and it was 12 flights, seven hotels. And like, it was just a logistical crazy, like nightmare, but we were able to figure it out. So I cannot imagine the scale that you've done that at. That's amazing. Yeah. And like you, again, understanding, like I've lived in five different countries. I have a pretty good knowledge of the world. So like one thing I know is when I'm traveling to either Francophone, like French speaking Africa, I know that I'm going to need to connect through either Belgium or France because those are the old colonial ties and that's how flights work. Or if I'm going to a Lusophone country, which is a Portuguese speaking country, I know I need to go through Lisbon and I know that they're going to be connected. So like I can go from Lisbon to Angola or Cape Verde. But because I have a deep knowledge of the world, I know things like that, that even a lot of travel agents wouldn't know. So that's sort of, that definitely helped me. Okay. Walk me through solo travel for women, because I think that it is kind of an unknown topic or women are maybe a little bit fearful of that. What was your experience? Why would you recommend it? Okay. I want every woman listening to this to release fear around solo travel. I hate that there's this narrative of, oh, women traveling solo. It's so dangerous. You have to be, you know, you have to be super careful. The world is unsafe. That is a lie. Largely because look, if we're talking about sexual assault, which is obviously the one thing we are really afraid of having happen to us, most women are sexually assaulted by people they know. So with that logic, you traveling actually builds in a little bit more protection because you're generally going to be with people that you don't know. And so, yes, things are happening to women all over the world for sure. And it's awful. But if one woman gets killed in, say, Panama, that doesn't mean you're going to be killed in Panama. There's hundreds of thousands to millions of people who travel to all of these countries, every, not every country, but most of the countries that a lot of people are going to go to, millions of people go there every single year. So you can't listen to one negative story and say, oh, I can't go. It's off my list because this happened to this one person. No. What about all of the positive stories? Even when negative things have happened to me, I keep telling people, I'm like, this is a single incident with me, one single single person. The chances of you meeting the same people that I met on your visit to that city or country is almost impossible. So I really want women, if you want to go, go. If a friend wants to go, take them. If they don't, go anyway. I've been to 89 countries solo on all six continents. I've traveled to probably most of the African countries I did, I did solo. Most of the Middle East, I did solo. And I felt completely safe the entire time. 
places where I felt unsafe, Miami, a police officer held me at gunpoint. Paris, someone tried to steal my phone out of my hand. In Rome, a police officer tried to kiss me in my mouth. Those are three cities where a lot of women wouldn't even think twice about going solo to, you know? So I really, really, really hope that one thing women get from this journey is that the world is safe and that you should get out and go and do something. And even in the event something happens, it's bad luck. It doesn't mean the world is unsafe. Like, again, bad things have happened to me, but I haven't allowed those things to paralyze me, you know? A hundred percent. I want to know, Jessica, after seeing all of the countries, what is your top five that you just close (laughs) your eyes and teleport to? Oh my God. I hate this question. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I can give you a top 50. Okay. (laughs) This is my top five for now for the gold digger podcast. Do not hold me to this later. Okay. And I think I'm going to do some places that surprised me. So five that I wouldn't have imagined would have been my favorite in no particular order. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Bhutan. Absolutely phenomenal. It's a country that not many people visit. Um, The government mandates that to visit, you have to spend a minimum of $250 a day and you have to go through like an approved travel agent there, which is, I think it's nice because it reduces tourism and it allows them to maintain their cultural like authenticity. Amazing country. It's in the middle of the Himalayas. Absolutely stunning. Definitely add it to your bucket list. Um, Uzbekistan surprised me. I didn't know. I'm like Central Asia. Okay. (laughs) Silk Road, sure, whatever. It was amazing. The people, almost no one spoke English. Didn't matter. Everyone was super warm and open and kind. Amazing textiles. I want to do a shopping trip there through Jet Black. And then just absolutely stunning architecture. Just blew me away completely. Okay, that's two. Um, (laughs) I will say Palau. I really liked Palau. It's in the South Pacific. And I enjoyed it because I love underwater everything. I don't have my diving certificate. I got an ear infection the day before I was supposed to do my <laughs> um, my dive in St. Vincent. But Palau was incredible because just absolutely stunning the Rock Islands. And then there's this thing called jellyfish lake so we actually swam in a lake with jellyfish and because they are in an enclosed space they don't have predators so they don't sting oh um yeah super unique really amazing for namibia phenomenal did a road trip there with two friends these two guys i really didn't know we came out lifelong friends Mm. but the landscape is stunning the best stargazing i've seen anywhere in the world just absolutely amazing and eek, last, oh, <laughs> I hate this. I'm going to say Iran. So obviously a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about Iran, even mm. though they've never been there. Stunning. It is such a stunning country. The food is amazing. Obviously Persian history is so rich. You have poetry and literature, um, but absolutely stunning architecture. The people are great, super open, super warm. They're not conservative. And yeah, loved Mm. Iran. You just make me want to brush up on my geography skills in a (laughs) whole new way, Jessica. (laughs) Okay, so final question. What's next for you? Like, what are you excited about? What are you working on? Fill me in on what's coming up for you. A lot of sleep. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is the number one question. So definitely relaunching Jet Black and we're launching The Catch. 
speaking engagements. I'm actually doing TEDx Detroit November 6th. So I'm really excited about that. But you know, I'm also just open. I really enjoy my freedom. So I'm taking this time to really just relax and and really think deeply about what I want to do, because we all know I don't like committing things for extended (laughs) periods of time, but definitely want to explore TV. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. You Mm. never know where you will catch me. I cannot wait to watch. So where can everybody connect with you, find out more about you, follow you, drop all the links right here. Yes, all of them. So for my personal stuff, travels, um, I'm the catch me if you can on all platforms on Twitter. It's the CMIYC for Jet Black. We're going to be doing some really exciting trips and that's globaljetblack.com, globaljetblack everywhere on social for the catch. It's everything is this is the catch. I think that's it. Yes, that's all me. Well, congratulations. Not only are you just amazing and inspiring to follow, but just hearing a little bit more of the behind the scenes is just so, so incredible. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. I cannot wait to watch where you go next. I'm just going to live vicariously and I'm going (laughs) to add little destinations to my bucket list. And when I say little, I mean countries that I've probably never heard of. So thank you for that. (laughs) I love that. Is anyone else researching flights so that they can pick out their next destination after this episode? I mean, Jessica's story is so inspiring, and I definitely want to freshen up on my geography skills. It's not a strong suit of mine. But hearing the way that she's just chased after her dreams and gone for what serves her the best. I mean, I don't know about you, but success to me looks like freedom, and that is exactly what Jessica has pursued every step of the way. I can't even imagine what her frequent flyer numbers look like or how many hours she's logged in airports or on airplanes, but what an accomplishment and what a story to be told on the Gold Digger podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. I would love for you to just say thank you to Jessica for coming on. Hop on over to Instagram at Gold Digger Podcast and let us know what you thought and let us know what your favorite country is that you've ever visited. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And hey, maybe you'll see Jessica at an airport near you. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.